Hi guys, my name's Adele Onyango and welcome to another episode of Legally Clueless. No, seriously, I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. Hi, so first, if my voice sounds a bit shaky, I am recovering from food poisoning. On a Wednesday night, I overindulged in cheese. Either it was too much cheese I ate, or the cheese was bad, or it was really bougie cheese and my body is used to like ghetto, ghetto ass cheese. But either way, yeah, I had a very bad case of food poisoning. The crumps that come with food poisoning, my God, hey, you know, I'm pretty sure that's what labor feels like. Because in my head, of course, I've not been through labor, but in my head, I think labor is excruciating pain. And I have been in excruciating pain for the past three days. But I'm finally feeling like myself, thankfully. So yeah, here I am. This week is an extremely important and just crazy week for me. Crazy in terms of emotions because I am extremely nervous. So as you all know, I have an initiative, which is the Adelo Nyango Initiative. And it creates opportunities for the youth, but also is really focused on gender-based violence, specifically rape, because I am a survivor of rape. And so Monday, depending on when you listen to this, Monday the 25th of November is the beginning of the 16 days of activism. This is a campaign that happens internationally where for 16 days, the spotlight is on gender-based violence. And activists and organizations around the world use that opportunity to highlight their projects or to spark conversations around the issue. For me, I'm launching a project called Safe 247. The reason I'm very nervous about this project is because most of the times I unveil a finished product. But this time around, I have decided to build this product in collaboration with people, individuals. I think sometimes, and I might be wrong, and I really hope I'm not wrong, I think human beings are innately made to do good. And the systems and structures that we live in force us to do things that are bad or force us to react in a selfish way. I also think that when one chooses to do bad, it is a lot harder than if they just choose to do good. I want to give people a chance to be able to help me bring peace and healing to survivors of rape. Now, what that has meant and what is a very hard thing for me to do is when I'm creating projects that have to do with rape, it means I have to be hands-on all the time, meaning the project could potentially be a trigger for me because I'm not just founder of the initiative or founder of the project, I'm also a survivor. So I didn't realize that creating this project was triggering me. And so part of the project involved recording videos that would go up on social because we're basically fundraising. At the very beginning of the script of the video, I say, Hi, I'm Adele Onyango, and I'm a survivor of rape. Um, so I've been recording videos for such a long time, and I work with Focus Photography in Nairobi, Kenya. It's a company led by Roy and Motuma, and I'm very comfortable with them, extremely comfortable with them, which is why for photography and for video, I always choose them because it's so important for me to feel comfortable with who I'm working with. Yeah, so most of the time, 
not to brag <laughs> it takes me a really short time especially videos for my projects ah i knock them off like so easily i don't do too many takes but for this one when i first went to record it we did like so many takes and i couldn't figure out what was happening and you know we're like i'm definitely overthinking things and at the time i thought i was overthinking the success of the project will people help will people contribute will it be successful will i be able to impact survivors of rape this week on wednesday actually this past week I went to record again <laughs> one of the videos and I was overthinking again. It took so many takes to get the video and the last take, I just started crying. And it was because of the script and I had to keep repeating the script because I was doing so many takes. That starts with, hi, I'm Adele Nyango and I'm a rape survivor. And I've, I, I haven't had to say that over and over and it was scaring me because I kept doubting and I was at a very emotionally fragile space I was like am I really a survivor what have I survived because this thing still triggers me I still have trauma and then I was like it's, it's just so unfair so I start crying I'm having this moment and I just keep saying it's so unfair it's so unfair I didn't choose to be a survivor I didn't choose to go through this. And on top of that, because nobody's given survivors access to psychosocial support that is either free, affordable, and also professional. I, I'm like, it's unfair. Why do I have to survive this thing and then also solve it? And I just broke down. And I was like second guessing all of my takes. Roy, who was the one shooting it, kept telling me, no, you actually gave a good take imagine i'll be able to make the video and i was just like that was a shit take like who's even going to take me seriously i had a complete breakdown you guys and i'm pretty sure it is because of having to say i am a rape survivor i'm a rape survivor i'm a rape survivor like even saying it now i have a lump in my throat and then just second guessing myself and the project which i guess is human but you kind of have to figure out how to Make sure those feelings don't overpower you to the point that you just give up on trying or doing anything. So the project, I've just rambled on, but I haven't even told you what the project is. It's called Safe 247. I really want women in Nairobi, women in Kenya, women in Africa, women all over the world to be safe. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I think one of the things that I'm petrified of is ever being raped again. And whenever I look at like the stats, I'm like, it's very scary. It's, it's very, like, it's not stopping. So what are the odds of that happening again to me? So the project is to create basically a free group therapy program for survivors of rape. And I want to take 30 women who are survivors of rape through this free group therapy program. Obviously, they'll be split into groups of eight to 10. I'm going to build an entire curriculum together with a curriculum developer, other survivors, and trained therapists. I'm going to build a toolkit as well that the survivors can use 
during the program and even after the program. And it's a toolkit that will have coping mechanisms and exercises that they can do even when they're on their own and triggers happen. And then I'll also create and run a support group for an additional 50 women who have survived rape. And this is for 50 women who were not part of the 30 who went through the 10-week program. So I'm really trying to impact and help 80 women who have survived rape. So what this means is I need to fundraise to make this project a reality. So I need 4,000 people from wherever you are in the world, (laughs) wherever you are in Kenya, to donate 350 Kenya shillings so that I can make this project a reality. And so what I'm going to do is in the caption, wherever it is that you're listening to this podcast, I'm going to put a link to the Mchanga page. Mchanga is an online platform to fundraise, for those who don't know. And it also has a pay bill number for those who are in Kenya and you find that easier. All of that information is on the Mchanga page. But I would really appreciate if you share this project with all your friends, all of your family, because it would mean the world to me to make this project a reality. Not because I'd be like, oh, I've ticked a box, I've, I've done something, but I know what therapy did for me and is still doing for me in terms of healing from the trauma that is rape. And I wanted to be able to do that for other women who can't afford therapy. It's very expensive. Yes, so I need your help. And even just saying that is so hard. I don't know if you find it hard as well, but I find it very hard to come out and say I need help. I don't know why, actually. (laughs) Because honestly, on a human journey, yo, you will need help, but... I think I have this really bad habit of trying to do everything by myself. Even if it's breaking me, I'm just like, nope, nope, not going to ask for help. But the truth is you do need help. Even more than needing help, there are people out there who are willing to help. So why not give them a chance? For those of you who pray, keep me in your prayers. Keep my project in your prayers. For those of you who believe in energy, send that positive energy my way because God knows I need it. (laughs) Yeah, but yeah. The Mchanga link is going to be in the caption so you can check it out. So on to 100 African stories this week. I got to meet the first black African female hot air balloon pilot. And it was so amazing talking to her. You know, whenever I see pictures of those hot air balloons and blah, 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 I generally have never thought about who is steering this balloon thing. I've never even thought about how it, it works. So I've seen videos where there's like flames and whatever, but I've never consciously been like, hmm, I wonder how this works. And then when we're in this hot air balloon, who is steering it? Who is in control? I've never had that thought. Maybe also because I've never been in or on a hot air balloon or even close to one. I've just seen them in pictures. So it was really interesting to talk to her about what it took for her to become a certified pilot. But also what is so crazy, and now that I'm in a season of recording all of these stories, when my mom died, I thought I was the only person experiencing grief. I thought I was the only person who had been robbed of this person who I loved. And I thought this not because I'm pompous or selfish or whatever, but because I'd never heard 
people speaking about grief, about battling grief and what that looks like to them on a day to day. So when I was in that moment experiencing the grief, I was like, wow, I'm the only one to go through this. It's hit me so bad. It's hit me so bad. But as I record the stories, I realized there's very many of us. Because even this particular story that is about ballooning and becoming a pioneer. When I started recording it, I didn't know that she too had suffered grief. In fact, lost somebody who was so instrumental in her becoming a hot air balloon pilot. Anyway, let me not give it away. I normally do this and every episode I'm like, Adele, don't. In the intro to the story, stop giving away too much. So I'm going to stop talking there. Here's this week's story. A hundred African stories. There is no proper life that you live in university as a musician. If I constantly just walked around feeling sorry for myself, I'm never going to get anything done. Uh, there was a bit of frustration in between all of that. I've been breaking my back for this company. Therapy is not for the weak or for the crazy. Stories from Africa. My name is Captain Joyce Beckwith. I was born in Kitale, raised in Kisi. I live in Masaimara because that is where I, I, I work. I first went to Masai Mara in 2007 as a hotel management intern. After high school, I graduated at uh, Makerere for uh, hotel and tourism management. Mm-hmm. And when I went for my internship in Sarova, that's when I went to Masai Mara and I fell in love with it since. Uh, after the internship, that's where I, w- uh, the place I met my husband. So he came to visit his dad who was working as a balloon pilot mm-hmm. and uh, I was like on an off day that day but in Masai Mara even when you're on off day you're still in the camp because you can't just like go out mm-hmm. so uh, my roommate came back and said uh, the pilot's son and wife are here to visit and then I was like is he cute <laughs> And then she said, like, well, yeah, you'll see tomorrow. So, and Jeff, or my father-in-law, was always very friendly. Mm -hmm. And the next day when I met him, he was like, oh, I'd like to introduce you to my son and my wife. And I was like, is your son married? And then he was like, no, he's not, but he's in a relationship, whatever, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I was just like, ah, ah, compere, compero, (laughs) safi. In the evening, I was going to go get some coffee and then he was coming to ask for some cheese because they were going to cook at home Mm -hmm. and not eat at the lodge. And I saw him and he was like, can I have some cheese? So I went back to the kitchen to get him cheese. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then that's why our love story is always called a cheesy story. So (laughs) I just saw him and it was just love like on the first sight. Like when I saw him, I was just like trembling. I'm just like, oh, this one is, it is this one. (laughs) Yeah. And after that, um, he went back to Germany. We were just like Facebooking, chatting, Mm. exchanging emails. And then one time he just went like, "Um, since I came back from Kenya, I've not stopped thinking about you. You've even broken up with my girlfriend. I want to come to Kenya and, you know, let's see where this thing goes yeah. and me was just like boy what were you are gonna ask <laughs> <laughs> so so he came back to Kenya and we just set it off and then I went to visit him in Germany so we had a long distance relationship for like a year yeah and then it got too expensive to go back and every time I went to Germany I had to stop my work here mm. and go live with him for three months because then it was worth it mm. and then after that he was just like uh one night um he just proposed in bed and was just like, dude, could you put on the lights first before I say yes? <laughs> <laughs> so 
So I moved to Germany and we lived in Germany for three years. In the three years I had to learn German and stuff like that, so I speak fluent German. And uh, my husband has always, he came to Kenya for the first time in 1986. He fell in love with Kenya then and he wanted to come back. So although he was working at health insurance in Germany, he was doing ballooning part-time. He's a second-generation pilot. Okay. So, actually, third-generation pilot. Uh, he always wanted to come back and fly in Masai Mara. Uh-huh. So, in the three years, we were working on him getting enough hours to come and work in Masai Mara. The day he came home and he was like, done. We're yeah. going to go back to Kenya. I was just like, bugs packed already. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> home is calling. And, yeah. And then we came back after three years. And oh. we've been here since then. Jeff, uh, my father-in-law, always wanted to like to take me out on the balloon but you know you wake up really early and when we are working you know we go to bed around midnight after you finish your shift and stuff like that so i'm like i'm I'm in bed at midnight i need to wake up at 4 30 i'm just like "Ah, what is ballooning anyway that's a touristic thing i don't want to do it i just want to sleep and rest and all that i didn't go for a very long time and even when my husband like came at that time he also invited me because it's just such a scenic, a beautiful thing to experience. He invited me and still in my head, I was just like, ah, no. So when I went to, on a balloon fl- flight, was in Germany, actually. My first time was in Germany, not even Masai Mara. And I was just like, this is perfect. But then again, there, you know, it's buildings, it's farmland and stuff like that. I did not experience it as good as when I went on my first flight in Germany. I mean, in Kenya in 2012. And I just thought like, this is beautiful. And I now realized why people actually do it. Many people think like when they hear the word pilot, they just think about fixed wing, a plane. So there's a lot of categories. There's um, paragliding, there is glider planes, Mm. there is, yeah, now aeroplanes, the small ones, the really huge ones. Mm. And there's hot air balloons. Yes. Yeah. So hot air balloons, piloting it is totally different because it's about the feeling, no instrument at all. Mm. Yeah. You have no instrument at all. So the day I decided to be a hot air balloon pilot was about two years ago. Mm-hmm. I've been flying with my husband like basically every single day from 2012. Okay. Because balloons, it's more about the feeling of the, the whole equipment. Yeah. And uh, I started developing the feel. So to me, it was not about just going for joy rides. So in case uh, there's a situation in the, in the balloon, I kind of feel it. So one time he was doing an approach to land, and then he put a, a bit more heat. Yeah. So he's way experienced. He can handle it, and yeah. it's not a problem. Yeah. So to me, I just said, ah, that's a wasted burn yeah. because it's about uh, heating the hot air inside the envelope. So I went like, that was a wasted burn. When we went back home, he told me, what did you say today? And I was just like, I thought it was a wasted burn. Like, yeah. if I was flying, I would not have done that last burn. And then he said, um, you know what? Before you tell me how to fly, get your own license. And I was like, damn right. I'm going <laughs> to get my own license. Yeah. He totally thought I was joking. Yeah. So immediately, like two days later, I had already found a school. Because there's no school in Kenya, I have to go to America. I figured out how much it's going to be. I was in contact with the school and stuff like that. And I just threw the papers to, on him. I was just like, so this is the school. This is how much it's going to cost. I'm going to go for this long and this is when I want to leave. And then he was like, you're joking. Yeah. I'm like, no, no, no. You told me to go get a license. So I better go and get a license. Yeah. And, and then he was just like, okay, have you figured out visa things and stuff like that? I was like, 
once we have talked about this and we have the finances to do this, then I'm going to think about the visa. I wasn't scared, mm -hmm. but I did not maybe like picture the whole thing. Mm -hmm. I just thought I was just going to go there, fly the balloon and come back and yeah. stuff. Everything hit me when I was in America on my first flight. Mm -hmm. So on my f first flight in America, it was exciting adrenaline like kicking yeah. here and there and the thing is so I went and then met my instructor she was basically analyzing like my mental state and everything mm -hmm. can I do this and then the next morning we went for now the flight test yeah. I took off because I've been in Masimara for a long time and I was just telling them my background on ballooning so I was like yeah I've been on a balloon like 500 times yeah. and stuff like that so they thought I have the experience I know what to do mm -hmm. so when I got there they're just being you know they're just saying that 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 you know you've done this before yeah. and I'm just like okay 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 I can yeah. do this yeah. you know so when I put the, the, the banners on and I was just firing it to my instructor, I went like, stop, it's not a rocket. <laughs> it was such a small balloon, just yeah. a two people balloon. But in Masai Mara, it's a huge, huge balloon. Mm. So all the time I see my husband do it, I just see him just do like everything proper, like boof. Yeah. So that's how I, that's how I did it. It's like, everything is going to be done like that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, eh, 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 eh. okay, let's start again. Rewind. <laughs> <laughs> and we flew everything was great with balloons it's normally like do not take off after sunrise because mm. it hits the ground and then there's thermic activities happening mm. and that is just the worst enemy of the balloon mm. but we have to be put into those situations yeah. and i see the sun come up i'm just like let's go yeah. and he's like no wait no wait it was the worst flight yeah. i tried to land like I don't know, it was like three, four times. You're almost coming to the ground and then the warm air picks you up and pushes you up again. After that, I woke up and I had like, I got off the basket. I had like cactuses and everything <gasps> everywhere because it's like, this is a crash landing by the way. So I got my license first. First you get the private pilot license and okay. that is in America. Mm -hmm. And then I go into commercial pilot license. Mm -hmm. That's also in America. After that, I have to come to, back to Kenya and convert my American license into the Kenyan license. Mm. I got my Kenyan license October 20th. That's when I passed the exam. And then the license came later on, like yeah. sometime in November. But when I passed the exam was October 20th. So basically, I am the first black African female hot air balloon pilot. They have been balloons flying in Kenya, especially in Masai Mara, for all, over 30 years. And for now, there's, I think, five Kenyan male pilots. And I thought, like, this is also an opportunity to do something new, something that even the girls around Masai Mara who've grown up in Masai Mara will look at it and mm -hmm. be like, it is time someone else does this. Yeah. My dad was... From the beginning, like even from when I was young, he yeah. always told me you're different. Whenever, like on Sundays, you know, the typical African thing, you all go to church. Yeah. My dad was a mechanic as well and a driver. So he used to run his own transport business and yeah. do mechanics. So yeah. he used to tell me, the rest are going to go to church, but us, we're going to go to the garage because there is this Peugeot 504. I want to do it like a race car. So, and you're going to be driving it. Of all my children, you're different. You're yeah. going to do great things. So yeah. we would go to the garage and it was like, pass me the spanner. And I'm like, number. <laughs> 
help us with that. And we had a great, great, great time. So when I was about seven, eight, he started teaching me how to drive. And I could already drive the car when I was nine, ten. He put this theory in my head that I'm going to be a safari driver. And I was just like, yes. <laughs> my mom, after high school, I always wanted to do TV and radio. And uh, my mom was just like, no, I don't have the money to do it. Yeah. And so you're going to do what I am able to pay for. Mm. So I went and did hotel and tourism management. When we came back to Kenya and I was flying a lot with, with my husband and uh, my dad always told me like, ask Dan to teach you how to fly. And I'm just like, I daddy, it's not for me. And then he said, you know what? When when you become a pilot, I will be so happy. Yeah. I will change my name to be the, the captain's dad or something <laughs> like that. It was like, I will go to every bar in the village and I will just be telling them, can you just bring me beer? You know my daughter is a pilot. <laughs> and I was just like, Aki daddy, you're so hilarious. Yeah. Sadly, he passed away just before I got the, the license. Yeah. And before he passed away, he, would, he, he told me because we knew he had cancer. And I joined some forums and stuff like that yeah. uh, just to see his progress. Yeah. And even before he passed away, he just told me, you need to be a pilot. You have to be a pilot. Yeah. And I was like, Daddy, but why? And it's like, because I always tell you, you're different. So also that pushed me every time the sun set. I just think about him because we used to have, it's got to be a little bit. Oof, that man was definitely my best friend, white lie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, every time we drove somewhere and there was sunset, he would stop. And then he says, what did you do today? Yeah. And, or like, Everything you have done today doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. Tomorrow is another day. And every time you see like the sun goes down, don't feel bad of any things that you have not achieved that day. The goals that you had made uh, for yourself and you did not reach them that day. Yeah. Tomorrow is a new day. The sun is going to come back on the other side. Yeah. And, you know, you have a chance to do it again. I love sunsets. Like, that's one thing I do every day in Masai Mara. I have to go for a sunbowner. And he plays again in my head. It's been tough. And even him, like when we grew up, the business was really good. Yeah. And then um, after the elections of 2007, because we lived in Migori, yeah. uh, things went really bad. And then I remember just him saying, you know, sometimes things can be very bad. You could be really good today, tomorrow. You cannot even believe that you're in this world because your life has just crashed. Mm. Get up. Forget everything. Alafu anza tena. Take your bricks and start building again. Yeah. And that's what they did. They, they lived in the IDP uh, camp. And he started with the one brick to build again. With ballooning, like trying to get into flying because yeah. I am not that experienced. Why lie? And doing commercial flights, you have to have certain hours and stuff like that. So to get... A company that will accept me with my little hours and my knowledge. And it's just been so tough. These days that I thought, it's done. Cannot do this anymore. I am done. I've messed up or whatever, whatever. And then the next day, I just start again. One break. One break after another one. One break after another one. And now I have a job and I'm starting to fly. Catch our next African stories in the next episode. So the random noises you were hearing um, while she was telling her story are a construction site that was right beside the house we were recording in. (laughs) Let me tell you, Nairobi, there's construction everywhere. If it's not the roads, it's the building. I cannot avoid them. However, I just think it's amazing that she invited us into a space she was comfortable in to tell her story. 
And speaking of weird noises in the background, it has just started raining heavily as I'm recording this. So if you hear any strange sounds, it's either the rain or a tree has fallen because the rain in Nairobi currently is just hectic. But I'm very thankful that you continue to listen to Legally Clueless. The family is really growing. And for those of you who don't know, we do have an Instagram page where the tribe resides. Hey, that kind of rhymes, Cindy. <laughs> Um, so just check out and follow Legally Clueless Podcast on Instagram. And that's it for this episode of Legally Clueless. You can share this podcast with your friends. You can keep it for yourself. I'm not judging. Just make sure you're here next week for the next episode. <laughs>